it on purpose sometimes. But when you see somebody wearing something that you really like, you mention it, and then you hope that they're like, dude, I, got, I know the equipment manager. I can hook a brother up. I did it on accident the other day, and it worked. I wasn't even trying to get a gift, and I got a gift. This time, I'm openly hoping for a t- uh, Houston Texans hoodie or jacket hoodie combination, whatever John Harris is wearing. Good morning, John. How are you, sir? Well, I'm doing well. I wish I could tell you I had the hookup, um, but I think this one came straight out the bank account, to be honest with you. So, yeah, it's a, pre- it's a pretty comfortable one, but this is, I think, circa 2017. So nice. this, is, this has got some... It's got some rings around the tree, uh, tree limbs, if you will. So, yeah, it's been there. John it's ha- cool, though. Like, it wouldn't fit you, though. Even with those guns of yours, this wouldn't fit you. This is not a schmedium. Thanks, John. Even my brother's joining in on making fun of me. Thank you, John. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, John- I mean, come on, man. We're all envious when you start moving and you see the guns and everything. I mean – Come on, man. We're all envious because you're like 29. You know, you got you got guns of a 21 year old. So, yeah, we're all envious. Just trust me. When we make those comments, it's all in envy and jealousy than it is anything else. Well, John, you were with me back in the day. 150 pound David Nuno playing basketball in the 3v3 tournament <laughs> where we almost fought, I almost fought Calvin Murphy and you almost fought uh, Hensley, Robert Hensley. But, yeah, who's become one of my good friends now. Exactly. My my man, Mark Vandermeer, is over here. Yeah, we used to battle one-on-one. I never thought he would ever hire me at that point. But, but yeah, those were, those were some battles for sure. Well, I bring it up because of this, John. Um, Kenny Atkinson is up for the job oh, yeah. for the Rockets. And, we, and Kenny Atkinson, who those don't know, used to be the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, but also is the chief assistant or top assistant for the Golden State Warriors. Uh, he is being interviewed for the Rockets' head coaching job. We played basketball against them, and that dude can hoop. Yeah, it's fun going against those guys. I, I want to say one year, Sean Respert. Yep. Didn't we play against Sean Respert, um, who yes. played at Michigan State? And he was just a, he was a straight-on bucket. I mean, it was he was just – and he was kind of letting off. And then one year, we played Calvin Murphy. I remember him being a part of it. Uh, and I think you two got a fight yeah. <laughs> or wanted to. Do you, um, do you, you remember what happened? To blows. So, so – uh, Johnny, this is what happened. As you know, I'm a little ultra competitive, and Calvin was just out there having fun. I was yeah. trying to D up that man, yes. right? And, and I was all up in his face and like like close. And Calvin, put the camera on me for this. So Calvin kind of looks at me, and he does a hook shot without even trying, and he buries it. And like he's like stiff arms me and pushes me. Like, and afterwards we laugh, but like it was yeah. like I was getting a little testy, but. I'm a lot calmer now in my old age. I, I, I love that moment. I absolutely loved it because Calvin, I don't know how old Calvin was at that point. Um, probably in his late fifties, early sixties. And he's, you know, and we're in our kind of mid to late thirties, you know, Raheel was in his twenties at that point. So he carried us. Um, but it was, it was so competitive and he's just kind of walking the park. And there was one time, it got a little there was a there was a screen and he got hit he keep in mind and i remember we were thinking this too and i think we said something to you like you know calvin murphy used to be a boxer you gotta be careful (laughs) you gotta be careful with this one um but man those are those are fun but i'm telling you there there's some competitive people um there are some competitive people out there in the media but there are very very few on the level of the two people you hear right now 
Yeah, well, uh, those good times. We'll move on from – and by the way, Calvin Murphy, a Golden Gloves champion, if I remember correctly. Yes, yes. He, he was a dude in the boxing ring for sure. With one hand, he would have destroyed me. <laughs> His punch would have hurt you and me yeah. and probably Raheel. Every other fight, you guys would have had my back. On that one, you'd been like, that's a Hall of Famer, and he could kick my butt. So, all right, let's move on. I know that you, you obviously work closely with the team, so there's only so much you can say, but there's, there's a separation of media and team, so there, there is a little bit of that. I'm seeing a lot of things out there, and this is a time of year where smoke signals are sent everywhere. Do you buy that the Texans could potentially not take a quarterback in the first round? David, there is nothing off the table. Nothing. Every single option you could think of. Could they draft Bryce Young? Yes. Could they draft C.J. Stroud? Yes. Could they trade down on a two? Yes. Could they take Will Anderson Jr. at two? Um, yes. Our buddy Lance Zerline surmised they could take Tyree Wilson at two. Could that happen? Yes. Um, could they just bypass quarterback entirely in the entire draft? Yes. I wouldn't. But could they? Yes. Like, all of these things are, are definitely on the table for the Texans. I, I'm – the thing about what makes the Texans interesting nowadays is that back in the, I don't know, not glory days, when I first got in the building with Bill O'Brien and Rick Smith, um, I don't think it was a surprise. They talked. They talked to media. They, they let people know for the most part. They, they would like to tell people they didn't, but they did. And, and Bill was one of the worst. I mean, he was talking to everybody, thinking he was playing chess, and he was just playing checkers, but he was talking to everybody. So everybody had kind of a, a, a decent feel of what we're doing. This regime, mm -mm. there's nothing, nothing. I mean, I'm pretty close to Nick Casario, and I've gotten to know him over the last three years. And I told Mark a little while ago, I was like, I, I love Nick. I, I think he is what you want a GM to be, and you will get nothing. He is a steel trap. I have never seen anybody in my entire life with the discipline that Nick has. So what ends up happening is we get to this point of the year and there's two weeks before the draft. Thursday's two weeks. So we're two weeks in a day and everybody's like, well, you know, I've talked to this person knows this and this person knows this. And, well, this person, and now people are trying to connect the dots and everybody's going, well, Texans really don't talk to anybody. And I'm like, yeah, good, good. A, keep you guessing. B, you're not going to get anything out of them. And C, when you hear something in the media, about what's going on with the Texans, you have to take it with a grain of salt because they're not getting it from anybody in a building. It's people outside the building that are speculating about, mm, this is kind of what I think. This is my opinion. So the point being, could the Texans bypass a quarterback? Absolutely. There's, there's no doubt to me that that could happen. I wouldn't do it because I'm convinced Bryce Young, CJ Stroud are going to be very, very good quarterbacks in this league. But I'm not the one conducting interviews. I'm not the one, um, and we're not the ones that are getting to meet these guys, seeing everything about them. It's Our jobs are not on the line when it comes to selecting a player at pick number two. Nick Casario's is. And so going through that whole thing and finding a great player at two, it, to me, is, is the ultimate for a GM, whether that's a quarterback, a defensive end, or a, or a punter. God help us if we drop the punter at two. But – Point being, I'm I'm not, and I've tried to I've tried to think about that all the way back to you know, game against the Colts week 18. I've tried to think about all right, now we're sitting at two. All this stuff, well, they have to. Anytime 
Anytime you hear people, especially in the media, say, oh, they have to take over. They have to, they have to, they have to, they have to. Anytime you hear that, you're like, wait a second. Are you totally sure? I mean, yeah, our quarterback situation is not tremendous, but are there other ways to go about it? Like, could you draft Will Anderson Jr. at two and take Hannon Hooker at 12? Yeah, you could do it. And would I go home Thursday night pretty happy? Yeah, I would, because I like Hennon Hooker. I like Hennon Hooker a lot. Is he better than C.J. Stroud? I don't know that I could say that. But if I walk out of there with Will Anderson Jr. and, um, and Hennon Hooker, I'd feel great. Would I feel great about C.J. Stroud and Miles Murphy? Yes, I would feel really good. There are a lot of combinations you could put together um, that I would feel okay with. I would be, even be okay with Tyree Wilson at two and Will Levis at 12 if you were able to pull that off. I'd, I'd be okay with that as well. Um, I wouldn't love any of those because I'd like C.J. Stroud a lot. But I think those would all make the Texans a really good football team going forward. So I, I buy the notion absolutely that it may not be a quarterback. If I were a betting man, I would bet on a quarterback. But you know me, I'm not like our former colleagues that bet on everything. I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't bet on anything the Texans do. And I'm in this daggum building. John, do you think if Hennon Hooker was 23 years old? he would be getting different kind of conversation. I mean, the fact that he, maybe 22, let's say the fact that he's 25, uh, obviously coming off the knee injury, but do you think if he were a couple years younger, he would be looked at pawn differently this draft? It's that math, David. It's tw- if he were 22 and no ACL tear, I think he would be right in a mix. I think he would, he would be three um, for sure. I think there would be a clear three and then there would be Richardson Levis. The ACL does complicate things. Um, but I think the combination of being 25 and the ACL and when can you have him available? And when you think about our quarterback situation, you've got Davis Mills and you've got Case Keenum here. How comfortable do you feel trotting them out week one? You want your quarter that if you draft the rookie quarterback, you want him to be your day one to me, Bryce and CJ are day ones. Um, I think Richardson Levis are down the road and Hooker to me is just kind of a question mark. But I think you're right, David. If he's 22 and no ACL tear, he's going in the top five. He was tremendous. And I know people talk about this. Ten- I, let me shoot this down. I've heard people talk about this Tennessee offense. Oh, it's basically they're outside the, the, the sidelines and they get all this space and whatever. Well, first of all, why aren't more teams doing it if, if it's that successful? And secondly, I don't really think about scheme when I'm projecting a quarterback forward. What I look at are the skills that I think project to the NFL well. And Hennon Hooker has those traits. He has the traits. And then when you see him lead, I think uh, the, the Mannings on the clock show, I watched it for Hennon Hooker. It really showed what a coach on the field he is and what a leader he is and how he talked to his teammates. I thought it was a really interesting point where he talked to his teammate and he was telling his teammate, look, man, that's not how, the, not he, how you should react to this. You need to react this way. And the teammate was kind of trying to kind of push him a little bit. He said, no, no, this is how you go about doing it. And it was really that coach vibe you get. I got uh, – seeing that made me feel very, very comfortable that Hendon Hooker is coming to the NFL and he's going to find a role with a team. Take the offense that he ran out. He could throw the deep ball. He's accurate between the, between the hashes. Uh, he's got the ability to get out of the pocket. My cop to him back in May was Jacoby Brissett, and I still will go with that. I still think Jacoby Brissett is probably a pretty good comp for him because Jacoby would scramble to throw, but he'd run on you if he needed to. But he could he could zip it, and I think Henning can do that as well. So I 
I would love to see Hendon Hooker in this building. I just know that there would be a lot of panic in fans like, well, what are you going to do to start the season? And again, I think there's the, the and, and D'Amico talked about this Wednesday, as no, Tuesday, yesterday. He said, we don't have to do things right away. We got to just settle in. You can't take all the pressure. The quarterback can't take all the pressure of what this organization has been and what it hasn't been. You got to just go play and just let's settle in and do this the right way. So when I heard that, I was kind of like, hmm, maybe it isn't quarterback or maybe it is a guy like Hendon Hooker. Maybe it is Will Levis, somebody that we've got to sort of wait to see what they can do. Um, and that was kind of playing with Davis Mills, but then Tyrod Taylor got hurt. and Mills had to go in a lot earlier than he, than he should have been. So all that being said, yeah, I think Hooker at 22 with no ACL, I think he's top five for sure. Talking about John Harris here on Texags Radio. John, is there a feel for what the Panthers are doing? And I don't necessarily mean who they're going to draft, but just maybe their strategy. It feels all over the place. Again, I don't know. I'm not in the building. But is there a feel for what direction they, they want to go? Not really. What, what it does feel like they're doing is they're fishing in the, in the Texans' pond and see if they can get Nick to bite, to see if they can pull back in a little bit that they, um, they traded, traded for. I, I, you know, people have said, you know, that I was on the air that day. Clint was out, and I was actually in the afternoon show when that happened. And I was on with Ron and show Hughley here in Houston. He was like, oh, they got their guys. I was like, no, I don't think so. I said, I think they want to come up and control the situation because at nine they can't control everything is dictated to them and they weren't going to two because the Texans I don't think we're going to trade out of two at that point and getting to three they might get the third best quarterback but it, by getting to one they control the whole thing so now they're in control of all right which guy do we like we like both guys how close are we with both guys and I think that's the way they felt and so now I think kind of the strategy with the Panthers is we have a guy we like better than the other guy, but we're okay with both of them. And because we're okay with both of them, let's fish in these waters and see if we can get Nick and the Texans to bite. And as of now, the Texans haven't, they're not biting. And so at some point, I think they'll declare, all right, this is our guy. My gut has told me all along it was Bryce Young. I said that afternoon, CJ Stroud, but I knew deep down, I don't know if that's it, but because I want Young here in Houston. I think that's why I said Stroud. But I think it's Bryce Young for them. That's just my, that's my gut. But, but we'll see. I think they're fishing in the Texans' waters to see if they can get Nick to bite on giving them a draft pick to move down one spot. And then they'll take whichever guy the Texans don't. If the Texans end up taking a quarterback, man, would that be something? They trade up to one, and we're all thinking it's a quarterback. And all of a sudden, it's Jake Podlesh, the punter from Maryland at one. Well, that would be something for the draft party. Johnny, Odell Beckham to Baltimore. Uh, look, I, I don't know if he's still got something or not, but I do think it is a brilliant play by Baltimore. And let me know your thoughts, because I think he's an enticing enough talent and persona to make Lamar be like, I want to see what we can do here. Yeah, I, from that standpoint, yeah, I think, I think OBJ still got something left in the tank. I mean, you can see it at some of the highlights of his workout. I think he's still got something left in the tank. But I don't think OBJ's going back to or going to Baltimore if he doesn't have Lamar Jackson in tow. So I think OBJ knows something. And, and I think this was a signal to everybody that, hey, uh, whatever you do. And I think a lot of people knew this anyways. A lot of teams knew this. It's just it's giving an offer sheet because he's just going to go back to Baltimore anyways. So 
OBJ also knows, hey, I'm going back for a one-year thing. I'm not going back, no offense to Tyler Huntley, I'm not going back to catch passes from Snoop. I'm going to catch passes from Lamar Jackson. So to me, this signaled Lamar going back to Baltimore with OBJ at some point. So the teams that thought they might be in the Lamar mix, maybe. I don't think they're in the Lamar mix. It would be a – I would – of anything, I wouldn't be surprised but I would be shocked if Lamar doesn't now end up back in Baltimore, um, especially with OBJ going there. I just can't see OBJ putting pen to paper when he's got options. And it's a lot of money, but I can't see him go back to Baltimore to catch passes from Snoop Huntley on a one-year deal where it's a prove-it deal where he could go make another contract at the end of his career. That's a big one. What's he going to do, catch 45 passes from from Huntley? No, he's going to go be with Lamar. And he's going to end up being a deep threat. He'll catch 65 passes and he'll get back in the, oh, yeah, he's one of the top 10 receivers in the league. And then he can go anywhere he wants at that point, signing whatever kind of deal he wants. So I just felt like that signaled Lamar's going back to Baltimore with OBJ. And that's going to be a really fun connection to watch, except for the one time we played them this year. Is Vandermeer still next to you? No, he took off. He's got things to do, apparently. Well, I uh, I was going to ask you, I, I want to confirm, I believe, you need to ask him this so next time you're on the air, I believe, if I remember the story correctly, he used to be in a band with Michael Chiklis. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if he's in Michael Chiklis. He was in a lot of bands. I don't know about Michael Chiklis. I feel so like they were in a – yeah, ask him if there was, there's a relationship. By the way, Michael Chiklis from the show The Shield, which I used to love. Yeah, yeah. Also Thing and Fantastic Four. You know the guy. He's iconic look. Um, I feel like he told me that because I had Chiklis on the show, and I feel like I, I brought that up. But that, that just hit me right now when you said uh, Vandy was next to you earlier. So ask him about that. All right, I'll ask him. That, that's a new one. I knew he was in a band, I, and we hear about that a lot, which um, I think makes Vandy very, very cool. But I didn't know about Michael Chickles. I'll have to ask him about that. Okay. All right, brother. Thank you very much, Johnny. We'll right, hey, hey, by the way, tell the people what's on uh, footballtakeover.com. Yeah, footballtakeover.com. Um, just got all kinds of great content there. You can also join my YouTube channel. I'm starting to grow that, at JHFootballtakeover. Just put YouTube and search my name, and I think it'll come up. And I did a mock draft last week, which – um, I did live. I think I'm going to go live again Thursday night, probably. Um, kind of uh, do my top 10 quarterbacks. Probably do that live for 10 to 15 minutes. Take comments, questions, whatever. Um, and so trying to trying to grow, trying to grow it all. Trying to be a content machine, David Nuno. Make some money doing it. So I uh, appreciate you guys. Thank you, Dave. The content creator, John Harris. Thank you, Johnny. See you, bud. See you, bro. All right, uh, let's talk about the Association of Former Students. By the way, I want to do a tease before I do that. Uh, an interesting name has just entered the portal for Texas A&M. We'll talk about that on the other side of, of the break. But right now we're talking about the Association of Former Students who have been around for a long time, 140 years at least, longer than that. Um, and they are just a group that continues to help Aggies all over campus and just beyond. They're just such a great organization. Um, they give support to, to students, uh, current students, former students through scholarships, student assistance programs, Aggie Band, Ring day, silver taps, class reunions, muster, tailgating. That's what they do. They continue to give, and they do it for people just like you. Uh, those who are listening to this show, those who are Aggies, uh, those who are in school right now, they do it because they love what uh, you mean to the Aggie Network. And that's why they've created a website to celebrate all those stories and feel their mission of what they do. It is called IamTheWhy.com, a website that you get to hear stories about why Aggies uh, picked A&M, their stories throughout their time here at A&M and beyond. IamTheWhy.com is a celebration of Aggie lives through their li- uh, lens and their perspectives. I highly recommend that you check it out and also upload your story on IamTheWhy.com. Again, I am 
thewhy.com. It is the Association of Former Students. Back, Texas Radio, presented by David Gardner Schumer here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. Nick Savage, have you been checking Twitter this morning? Uh, indeed, I have. Well, more so the people behind me, as you can hear them yelling. But yes, I have been checking Twitter. Uh, there is a little breaking news. Yeah, uh, would and you like me to read it, or you? Yeah, you can read it directly from his Twitter account. Yeah, I, j- I just pulled it up. Uh, Matthew Wyckoff, the offensive lineman for Texas A&M, tweeted, "I will be entering my name into the transfer portal. Thank- I am thankful." For my time at A&M and the coaching I have received, I will have three years of eligibility left. So Matthew Wyckoff planning on uh, entering his name in the transfer portal when it opens, I guess, in a couple days, right? Yep. And then um, David Edmond, who we talked about earlier in the show, um, said, uh, why did Matthew enter the uh, transfer portal? And I'm just spitballing here. Um, my, my thought process is he, he wants to start somewhere. And there's a huge hurdle in front of him with Bryce Foster healthy and I, I think Wyckoff tasted what it felt like to start. Again, I don't know. I haven't spoken to the young man. Um, but I got to think, at, why do most people enter the transfer portal? There's a couple different reasons, and, and a starting opportunity is there. And the fact that uh, Martin Abu has emerged as well, and Billy and I have spent some time watching him out there, I think there's competition. Um, so that's my thinking behind it. But, you know, everybody's got their own reasons. But uh, a nice young man who did an admirable job last year, but when you got Bryce Foster healthy and back, um, I think, you know, I, I, I get it. He wants to go somewhere and start. So I wish him luck, uh, except when they take on Texas A&M. But uh, uh, from all indications, a very good young man who did a nice job last year for them. So Matthew Wyckoff, that does hurt the depth, no doubt about it. Uh, we'll, we'll see how Mark Naboo's emergence there can and change things and if anybody else emerges. But uh, Matthew Wyckoff there to the uh, transfer portal. All right, you guys can react to that um, and just your thoughts as we get closer to the spring game. But we're going to talk a little Miami football. As you know, I try to do the spring uh, recap or spring previews of all the football teams that A&M is going to play. Uh, and we're going to stop by and talk to Locked On Kane's host, um, who has been covering them for a long time, Alex Dono, and get his thoughts on what is happening there at Miami. New coordinators, same quarterback. Will it be a different result? We'll get to that uh, a little bit later on. But right now, we're talking Caldwell Country Chevrolet, Highway 21 and Caldwell Online, CaldwellCountryChevrolet.com. They've got great deals. And they're an amazing place to go for customer service. Now, obviously, when you go to a, a dealership, you're, you're looking for a new vehicle typically, right? But I want to explain to you that it's more than just the buying of the new car, right? Um, they're they're going to take care of you in your search. They're going to take care of you with your trade-in value. They're going to take care of you after your search, after you decide on the vehicle, because the customer service there is second to none. That is what they've done for a long time. They are the number one when it comes to the Brazos Valley, and uh, they're going to make sure that you go away with the vehicle that you want. And trust me, uh, you should get some quotes to see what the trade-in values are out there and then also the, the value on the vehicle you're looking for. But you're going to really love the service that you get there with Zach Hester and his crew there at Caldwell Country Chevrolet. Uh, it is the place to go, and it's not far. 15-minute drive, Brian and Caldwell. A short conversation away, but you're going to see the difference when you step on the lot and you do business there with Zach and the fellows at Caldwell Country Chevrolet. Again, it's on Highway 21 in Caldwell and online at CaldwellCountryChevrolet.com.
we're back. Texags Radio presented by David Gardner Jewelers here on the Rollo Insurance Studio. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the University of Miami. A team A&M is going to be playing. We'll be going there, and, and I'm hoping we can stay for two weeks. But I think we're only going to go for four days. That's okay. It's fine. Uh, we're going to go to Alex Dono now on the hotline from Lockdown Canes to break it all down. Alex, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. It's great to be back. I hope your week is treating you well so far. I appreciate it, man. So uh, we had some breaking news, I think, last night or this morning. I think it was last night. Not football related. The Cavender twins are leaving? What? What are they going to do? I was disappointed. Uh, you know, I'm not exactly sure what they're going to do, but I know it's not going to be college basketball related. So it, like, they're not going to be transferring anywhere else. They've just decided not to play their fifth and final year of eligibility. Um, they certainly have options, right? Whether it's, you know, something social media related, they've got one of the biggest TikTok followings in, in America. Um, I, I even heard a rumor that it might be like pro wrestling related. I, I don't know anything about that world. So I can't, I can't comment too much because I, I don't know anything that's going on in the WWE, but I did hear something to that effect. Uh, it, it's obviously disappointing because not only did the Cavender twins, they just, they brought so much attention to the Miami Hurricanes women's basketball team uh but they were also really good players like especially Haley who was in the starting lineup and was you know one, one of uh, probably the best two three players on the team so that that's going to be a void that head coach Katie Meyer is going to have to fill in recruiting or in the transfer portal I don't want to break down uh Miami women's basketball but I'm just <laughs> before you told me the WWE portion of it I'm thinking to myself what you know, the basketball is why people were hooked, right? And I'm wondering what kind of shelf life they have without basketball. But if they do enter that arena, that does change the conversation. Uh, I want to ask you about year two of Mario Cristobal. Um, what feels different? What, what's the vibe like there? I know they've made a lot of changes, but like, what, what, what is, what's the vibe right now? Uh, the vibe is positive. You always take that with a grain of salt when you're talking about spring football because there's no adversity, real adversity in spring. You don't face that until you get into the meat and potatoes of the regular season. But uh, the vibes are good. You know, I've been out at most of the practices in spring football. I think the biggest difference that I see is uh, more depth with young talent. You know, as we all know, uh, Cristobal was able to bring in an excellent recruiting class in the class of 2023. So you have uh, five-star Francis Mauingoa, the offensive tackle, He's been running with the first team at right tackle, which is you know pretty impressive, and he's looked good enough where I could see him holding on to that spot once the regular season starts. I don't think he's going to let go of that starting right tackle spot anytime soon. And then a player on the defensive line who's an early enrollee freshman taking part of spring who's probably been the single most impressive freshman on the team is Ruben Bain, uh, the defensive end. He, he's big enough to play inside if he wanted to. He's around 270 pounds. He's got a big motor. He's been taking up permanent residence in the opposing backfield. So you see the depth of talent looks to be improving. You know, one of those things that's kind of yet to be seen is the idea that a lot of the carryover players who were on the team last year just didn't really buy into Mario. They hadn't committed to play for Mario and the Hurricanes had somewhere around 20 guys leave in the transfer portal. So it's one of those things where you're not going to know until you know, but you have to wonder if there might be some addition by subtraction there, because if, if the locker room wasn't really getting along last year, because some players were buying in and some players weren't, you hope you can trim some of that fat, so to speak, of the players who weren't buying in, and maybe there's going to be more harmony heading into next season. Talking to Alex Dono here on Tech Sags Radio, what kind of pressure is on 
Mario this year, considering last year was a disappointment. If he has back-to-back years that are a disappointment, is that like they're gonna, you know, the white flag? They're gonna move on, or is he still got a lot more grace? Um, I, you, you have to improve the win-loss record for sure, even if it's not a massive improvement. You know, five and seven, no matter who your coach is, no matter what the situation is, that that's not acceptable at a place like Miami going five and seven. So, uh, you know, I, I think where the debate can happen is how many more wins do you actually need? Like, is it just a matter of showing a little bit of improvement, six or seven games? If you talk to some members of the fan base, they'll say, oh, it's got to be nine or ten wins, which I don't. I don't think is realistic this year, uh, but I think you've got to have an improvement by at least a, a small amount of victories, first of all. And we all know there are other ways to measure improvement, right? It's not strictly about the number of victories. It's also about how competitive are you in the games you're losing? Uh, are, are players quitting on the team? Is infighting happening in the locker room? Are, are Miami's changed a lot of their coaches, right? You've got the, basically the entire offensive staff outside of the offensive line coach has gotten a facelift. You've got a new offensive coordinator. You've got a new wide receivers coach. The new OC is also the quarterback's coach. You've got a new tight ends coach this year. There's been a ton of changes on the offense because Miami's offense against Division One competition last year only scored 19.4 points per game. It was an unmitigated disaster last season. So, um, you know, I, I don't think that like the revolution has to happen year two. I think you've got to show improvement as far as Cristobal. It's it's hard to handicap how much of a leash he's got because he signed a 10 year contract last year. Well, he's, he signed a 10 year deal last year that pays him out a reported 80 million dollars. So I think it's one of those things where obviously you hope you're not in this situation. But if if for whatever reason things are catastrophic in year two the way that they were in year one, yeah, you've got to start to have some hard conversations about his long-term future if it does transpire that way. But I don't know if you could really do much in the second year of a 10-year contract. I, I think the the buyout might be a little bit too much. So I think he's he's going to have some grace just from that effect. Remember way back when, years ago, or actually – 13 months ago or whatever it was, where we thought, ah, oh, we might get two top 10 teams playing against each other at Kyle Field. What kind of teams are we going to get in September when Miami and A&M meet? Yeah, um, that's a mystery. I think it's a mystery on both sides from a Miami and an A&M standpoint. And certainly, I'm not sure who A&M opens with, but in the case of Miami, Miami opens up against Bethune-Cookman University. So we're going to head into that matchup against Texas A&M not really knowing what Miami has at that point because Bethune Cookman is one of those free spaces on the schedule to open up the season. So we're really not going to know um, coming out of that. You know, I hope to have a better idea in fall camp. Heck, I hope to have a better idea coming out of the spring game. Miami plays their spring game on Friday. You know, like I mentioned, I cover pretty much every practice, but um, the media typically only gets to watch individual drills and we can't watch team drills. So, you know, Friday at the spring game is really the first chance I'm going to get to watch 11 on 11s. Tyler Van Dyke, he was a guy listed last year as a potential Heisman. He did not finish the season that way. He wasn't even that guy. Was that a product of Tyler not being that guy or was it the offense, a combination of the two? What Tyler Van Dyke will we see this year? It was more on the offense. Um, coordination was not good. It's why Miami fired their offensive coordinator, Josh Gaddis, after just one season. Uh, and also the offensive line last year was catastrophically bad. I think that's going to be the most improved uh, unit on the team this year. But 
Uh, you know, Miami's offensive line, they got Tyler injured a couple of times. He had a, a bum shoulder throughout the second half of the season. Um, it w- some of it was on Tyler, no question about it, because uh, first couple games of the year, he was healthy and wasn't doing a whole lot. I don't think he took to that offense. The, the offense that Miami is installing this year under new coordinator Shannon Dawson, who, of course, uh, was in Texas uh, recently with Houston, uh, I, I think it's something that Tyler is more familiar with. It's not exactly like the offense he played in before Gaddis. This one is, you know, more of an air raid concept. He was playing in a spread his first couple of years in Miami, so it's going to be more familiar to him. They're going to go vertical more often. Uh, and it's going to be interesting also to see how Miami's backup quarterbacks do. I, I, I think Tyler is going to be the starter. I don't see any serious threat because of his experience and his rapport with his teammates. I think he's got that starting job pretty much locked up. But I got to say, Jakari Brown has looked really good. His backup, who was a true freshman last year, uh, didn't have much of any accuracy throwing the football. He's a gifted runner, but he couldn't really complement his running with his arm talent. Uh, he's shown a lot of improvement with his accuracy in spring football. So I, I think Jakari can maybe push Tyler a little bit. And Miami's got an interesting true freshman who's not going to be ready to play year one. But uh, Emery Williams, I think, has a bright future. So uh, the quarterback room looks a little bit deeper as well. But uh, I'm expecting Tyler to bounce back this year. Uh, the offensive line's going to be better. I, I think he's got a better relationship with his play caller. So uh, I, I think he's going to bounce back. Alex, uh, look at the schedule. Obviously, there's the A&M game, but what other games pop up that will kind of determine the season? I know you get Clemson at home this year, so you got two big games at home. What else can you kind of tell us about that schedule? Yeah, uh, Florida State is going to be massive. That one's going to be on the road this year. Florida State just handled Miami uh, in South Florida last season. That was that was one of those awful, awful losses that made you question everything about what was happening at Miami. So really, I, I think, you know, in, in Texas A&M, it's obviously it's a different type of challenge because you're going up against top competition. Some might say it's not quite as important just because it's an out-of-conference game, right, where a lot of Miami's goals are within the ACC. So the Texas A&M game will be a tough competition, good barometer for where Miami stands. I think the most important games, though, are going to be the Clemson and Florida State games because Miami wasn't even competitive against Florida State last year. They weren't really competitive against Clemson. And the last several times Miami has faced Clemson, It's been like baptism type of losses, like awful losses uh, where Clemson has just blown out Miami repeatedly. So I think think you've got to be competitive and hopefully win at least one out of those two games. Those are going to help decide Miami's goals in the ACC. Alex, we talked about the pressure on Mario this year, but what is a realistic, like today with the information that you have, what is a realistic look at the season? Is this a potential eight and four team? Is this a team that's still maybe closer to seven? Are they maybe a team that can reach that potential we thought they could have last year? Yeah. As much as I hate making predictions uh, and I haven't gone on record with an official one yet, I, I think the seven, the seven win range is realistic. I think eight and four is probably around the ceiling for this team just because uh, you got new coordinators on both sides of the football. And this stuff, I I hope that if things are clunky, I hope they don't use new coordinators as an excuse for anything. But I I think it is valid to say it's a big transition on both sides of the football. Uh, It's a big transition, I think, with a lot of true freshmen and redshirt freshmen who are going to be expected to play serious roles and starting roles on this team on both sides of the field. Uh, And, you know, Miami's got a long way to go. I mean, last year, I think, was a wake-up call just as to how far away this team was. 
I think you've got to close that gap a little bit. So I'm thinking probably seven win range with eight wins being kind of around the ceiling for this team. Uh, Alex, I've told you before, I, I have a lot of history in, in the Miami area. Grew up thinking I was going to go to A&M or Miami. I also understand the fan base there. Um, sometimes they, they go and they love the team. Sometimes they don't. I was actually very impressed with the amount of Miami fans that came to Kyle Field. So let's say the first big game there at Hard Rock next year, or a couple months away, what kind of like atmosphere can it be for a non-conference game early on with the expectations? Yeah, uh, the timing of it is good that Miami faces Texas A&M so early in the season, and they're going to win that first game against Bethune-Cookman. So I'm expecting a sellout or a near sellout for that game, um, You know, which that building, now Hard Rock Stadium, it, it holds around – 67,000. I I think it's going to be a sellout for that game. Obviously later in the game, if the team isn't doing well and you're starting to face like, you know, some of the, some of the not quite as just big time ACC competition. And I mean that even though some of these teams beat Miami last year, I mean the teams that don't draw particularly well from a crowd standpoint, if Miami's not doing well and you start to reach the dog days of the schedule, you're going to see some of those games where the stadium is is half full or a third full. But I, I'm expecting for that Texas A&M game and, and for the Clemson game, uh, no matter what Miami's record is uh, at that point, to have probably a, a sold-out loud building. And I'm expecting a lot of Aggies fans to make the trip down. Alex, I expect to see you uh, in uh, September and hope to talk to you on the show before that. Oh, that would be great. Let's definitely connect for that. You got it, my man. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Alex Dono there, Locked On Canes, does good work out there. Really appreciate his time. All right, when we come back here on Texas, we're going to kind of go over that that information about Miami, and uh, we'll also get to some of these text messages. I'm sure Anna Rosa's got a thing or two. All right, it's Texas Radio. And we're back, Texas Radio. Presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio, the official insurance provider for Texas Radio. The difference is real. Call them up at triple eight forty four Rollo or go to RolloInsurance.com. Nick, what do you got for me? Yeah, so first things first, kind of just keeping it uh, topical with Alex Dono. Uh, Saturday Down South put out a little article of the top ten non conference games for the SEC uh, coming into this year. And can you guess where they? Or I guess, yeah, where do you think they have Texas A and M? at Miami ranked two six. Oh, okay. So I guess what, 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 give me the top five. Then. Top five first game, Texas at Alabama week two. Yeah. Okay. That's right. That's, that's, that's a big one. Florida at Utah week one, which I'm like, eh. I mean, whatever. Yeah. Clemson at South Carolina week 13. Yeah. That's big. They're saying that'll be a big game. LSU versus Florida state. That game's in uh, Orlando week one. That's definitely Ahead of the what was it Utah versus who Florida? No, nobody cares about that game. Yeah, no, nope, no. Nope. <laughs> people in Utah and Florida are like I really don't want to go to this one. Yeah, and then uh, five is Florida State at Florida week thirteen. So Florida State makes it twice. Florida and, makes it twice. And Florida, f- Florida, sorry, and Florida State. And yeah. They both make it twice. Yeah, Alabama makes it once, but I don't know if the who. Yeah, SEC teams usually don't have a bunch of great non-conference well now that i'm getting further in the list kansas state at missouri at seven i mean who's gonna be you know interesting anyways (laughs) moving Uh, past that well uh 
Look, I, I'm, I'm fine with wherever A&M is on the list. It's just somebody's opinion. Who, yeah. Uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I would say, though, that that Florida-Utah game last year seemed like a bigger deal. And based on what we saw from Florida this past year, I don't think it's that big of a deal. But I guess we're going to have to wait and see about that. Yep. This, this A&M-Miami game, that is, that is, that's a big one. That is a big one concerning what's ahead because I still think, regardless of both teams being five and seven, A and M winning last year it wasn't convincing fashion, but they they were the better team. I think it's an interesting game considering what's ahead, right? Yeah. Because you have a stretch with the you know leading up to that Bama game, you've got to get some wins. Yeah, you've got uh, you've definitely got to get some wins, and that might. I think Billy went through like the first six games, and you know, like you you really need to be five and one. You really need to be 5-1. and one. Um, And Miami is that first test with the new offense. Again, they're going to be going through a new offense and a new defense. If Tyler Van Dyke is that guy, which he didn't show me that he was that guy two years ago when everybody was all the rage about Tyler Van Dyke. And he certainly didn't show me anything last year. I think he might have gotten hurt a little bit in that A&M game, too, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think so. So that game is uber important to get off on the right stretch. Again, I still look at that first game of the year and think to myself, the New Mexico game, and think to myself, you have got to put up some points just for for my stress level, just for mine and everybody listening to the show. And I think they might. I think they absolutely, I I don't know what I think. They better. How about that? They better put up a lot of points uh, those first few games because um, that's what we're in. And I do think, like we've seen in every sport, and I hope we continue to see in baseball, although last night didn't go as planned, teams get better as the year goes on. Well, you have a test early on, at least a name test. I don't know what kind of team Miami's going to be. If eight and four is their ceiling, as Alex Dono said, you got to win that game. You have to win that game. I don't care if it's on the road. you got to win that game. All the eight and four teams, you got to take down. The Mississippi States, the Ole Miss, you got to go for the Mississippi sweep. you got to go for the Miami beatdown. you got to get those wins because you're going to have Tennessee – who is, I don't think going to be as good as they were last year, but I still think they're going to be very good. And you're going to play them in Knoxville. You still got Bama. Been tight the last couple years. Let's not make it tight. Let's not make it tight. Bryce Young isn't walking through that building. Ty Simpson might. But, you know. I just... One game at a time. And that first game, ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't know, it's the spring game on Saturday. We'll have uh, obvious uh, post-game coverage of that. We'll have uh, tweets and reports throughout the game it'll be something you want to be locked on on techstacks.com be a premium subscriber when we come back here on the program ryan broniger we've got a little recruiting country brought to you by caprock health system that your text messages and your phone calls is techstacks radio